everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. And this is your new Comics Wednesday episode for September 15th, 2021. And Jay and I are here to talk about a few of the books we've had a chance to read. And as always, spoiler free, we want you to check out the books. So we're not going to get too in-depth. Also, I'll mention that we unfortunately didn't get our Marvel books in time to uh, chat about them, which is really too bad because there's a ton of great Marvel books this week, like really important, impactful books that I I wanted to cover uh, that we won't be able to chat about. But uh, we will talk about a few of the independent books we had a chance to read. And then as a reminder, everybody, if you want to know about the DC titles, that's in our Tuesday Spotlight with spoilers. Rocky from Comic Boom and I covered all the books that came out this week. And there were some pretty good ones, specifically Justice League Last Ride number five was great. And the ending of Rorschach, the 12th issue of Rorschach, was absolutely amazing. It was, it's my book of the week. It was so good. It's subversive in a way, right? Because actually, everything you need to know about the mystery, the assassination attempt, and all that was put forth in issue 11. And so I had kind of wondered, well, what, what's left in issue 12? Well, issue 12 answers the question I had at the beginning of the series. Why the heck is this series called Rorschach? You know, the actual real Rorschach is not in it. Like, as the story has gone on, it's been this mystery of who planned this assassination and who could take advantage. But why is it called Rorschach? Well, issue 12 brings that home in a brilliant way. And it was it was really fantastic. So definitely recommend everybody read that entire series, especially uh, the way that it that it ends. So. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and dive into the books that we are going to talk about. Uh, we're going to start with Scumbag, number 10. This is from writer Rick Remender. The art is by Matthias Bergara. Colors by Marino Denisio. Letters by Russ Wooten. Just to remind everybody, um, basically the story is there's this real jerk of a guy, really a waste of space. That's where the name of the series come from comes from he's really kind of a scumbag um his name's ernie ray clementine he's he's profane he's illiterate he's a drug addict he's uh, an alcoholic he dropped out of school in the fifth grade and he accidentally gains these superpowers uh from a, a powerful super spy organization and so he has to become an agent for them <laughs> because he has the powers that they need to take on kind of the uh you know, these secret organizations that are looking to take over the earth or whatever. And the latest one they're fighting is called uh, Moonflower, which is this terrorist group that supposedly wanted to brainwash everybody into becoming hippies, basically, to all get along. And so Ernie went up there with other members of this super spy organization to try to stop them. And like Ernie always does, he screwed things up and he, he fell into like the pool that basically was the conduit that charged up the weapon that Moonflower had that was going to brainwash the world. So instead of brainwashing everybody to turn into like peace, love, dope hippies, they all became like clones of Ernie. Like they're all scumbags. They're all like a bunch of drug addicts and, and hedonists that just want to like smoke marijuana and do cocaine and have sex with everything. So things haven't exactly been going great. Uh, for the powers that be for this organization that that Ernie works for by de facto. Uh, And that's where this latest issue kicks off. So uh, what did you think about issue 10, Jay? 
Well, I, <laughs> like you said, it's like, all right, so you know that the earth is pretty much Ernie world. Ernie world. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty much what it is. So, yeah. uh, so even the agent, um, Mary, is actually on the side with the Moonflower because they're trying to stop Ernie from doing this thing. And from the last issue, he has his own little group of uh, heroes, like uh, reprobates or reprobates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because some of them are supposed to be like a Green Lantern offspin and, you know, superhero offspins, but they're just terrible characters, you know, with, with what they do. It's not bad. Like I said, there's a lot of backstabbing and a lot of like uh, things going behind the scene. But uh, you find at the end that, uh, you know, all on they, they know what's going on. You know, the, the head agency knows what's going on. And I guess the t- guess the final, I guess the last page is kind of neat because you kind of see what's going to happen because now they have a way to uh, get the uh, maximum formula out of Ernie. But there's a cost and Mary's all for it. Yeah, um, it was kind of an entertaining issue. Um, and it was cool to see, you know, different versions of, of different characters. Uh, there's especially one character that you see kind of a, a different version of, cause again, this is sort of a backwards world. Um, but here's, here's the thing where I struggle with scumbag. It's a little bit of an inconsistent title for me. And I, and I've talked about this from the very beginning. I, I wasn't even going to read it. And then, you know, it had some great art in the first issue and it kind of sucked me in. I think Remender does a good job of, of characterization and, and yes, Ernie's unlikable and he's a, he is a complete scumbag sometimes, but he's funny in a sort of disgusting way. If you, you know, like fifth grade humor, which sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Um, but you know, the problem that I had with it, what I was worried about right from the start is that I was worried it would become one note, right? Like it's, Okay, the joke is that it's the tagline for the series, right? The joke is the world's fate rests with the worst person on it. And that's great for an issue or two. But for me, after a couple of issues, it gets old. Like, obviously, you want growth. Like, a lot of times we read these stories and we want characters to grow and evolve and, you know, see how we can relate to them. Well, I can't really relate to Ernie because. And thank God, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you know that reflects well on me that I can't you know relate to this illiterate drug addict scumbag. Um, but if he if there was growth there, if there was evolution, and, and there have been, he's had moments for sure. But at the end of the day, the whole sort of punchline of the series is that he's a scumbag. And so in order to keep that joke going, you can't have him evolve. But if he doesn't evolve, the series ends up feeling like one note. You know what I mean? Like it gets sort of boring. Um, so I, I don't know if this series is, is working for me. So it was an interesting cliffhanger at the end here. Um, and what we found out about uh, Ernie's family is, is interesting as well. So I guess I'm in for another issue or so. And the other part of it is the, the fact that you know, it was Louis LaRosa art to start. Um, and then he had some health problems and he had to drop out of the series. And that honestly, that was a big part of why I jumped on that first issue. Like I said, because it was fantastic art. Um, and that's unfortunate that he had these health problems and remenders had to find other people to sort of fill in, but being that he wanted to stay on schedule, he has gotten these different artists to fill in, but the art has been like wildly inconsistent because it, I don't even think they've had, a single artist do more than one issue. So 
like I haven't been a big fan of the art because it's been shifting styles so often and it just feels a little, it feels a little one note to me. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way or not, but I just don't know how long this can, like, how long can you tell the, the story? Like, it's like, okay, we heard the joke already. I'm ready for something different. You know what I mean? Right. I get the same. That's what I was saying before we started. So it's kind of like a roller coaster because you think, okay, we're going to have something change, but then it goes right back down to what he is. You're what like, it so, was, yeah. I'm like, okay. I was like, so we're back here again. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's too bad because there is, there's potential there. So I don't know. I guess, I guess we'll see. Uh, all right. First book I'm going to talk about is Deep Beyond number eight. This is from writers uh, Mirka Andolfo and David Goy. We have art by Andrea Brocardo. Colors are by Barbara Nascenzo. Letters by Mauricio Classi. And I've talked so much about this book. Every time it comes out every Wednesday, I, I talk about it because it's fantastic. And it started as such a small kind of tropey idea of this post-apocalyptic world where uh, basically the earth isn't habitable anymore. And there's only little pockets, these little bubbled cities where people can live, where it's not contaminated and poisoned. And so you just think it's sort of about that and about this uh, somewhat fascist government that controls the resources and um, tries to keep the human race surviving and a little bit of the haves and have nots when it comes to the limited resources and, and whatnot. Um, and then there's a, a scientist that's out doing research that goes missing and her ex-boyfriend goes out looking for her. And so it's a small idea, like I said, a little tropey, uh, you know, not the most original story. And from there, it just branches out into this huge sort of interdimensional sci-fi epic, like just operatic in scope. And it's been absolutely fantastic, but it's also at times been a little confusing, but confusing in a good way, right? Because so often when you're talking about science fiction, you're talking about, okay, well, humans go to this other dimension or this other plane of existence or this other planet or whatever it might be. And you, they can find a way to communicate. Like you find a way to, to talk like what they understand English, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it might not be that easy. You know, it, it, it's always that easy, whether it's Stargate or Star Trek or whatever, right. Whatever particular, uh, even Star Wars, uh, you notice that people go to pl different planets in Star Wars, everybody speaks English. Um, it might not be that simple. You might not have uh, any sort of way to, to communicate because you don't like your physical bodies aren't the same. There's just so many things that could be so different. The way you perceive time, just the way you per perceive reality itself could be different. So a little bit of the confusion that happens in this book, I feel like is, is from that. And that's a good thing. It shouldn't be as, as easy. Um, but I think in the end, it will all make sense. It'll, it, I think that the writers are smart enough to know they, they kind of need to break it down for us so that, that we understand. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get to the end. I think this is like 10 issues. So I think there's a couple more left. There was one point in this, in this story where I don't know if I'm missing pages or what happened, but I feel like it went from one page and everybody was in one place and then the next page, everybody's somewhere else. So I, I'm not sure uh, that contributed to my feeling of feeling a little bit um, lost in this particular issue, but I still recommend the series. It's probably one eight issues in now. It's probably time for me to go back and, and reread from the beginning knowing what I know now about the series. Um, so it's definitely worth your time. The art is fantastic. The colors are great. 
And I do feel like there's value in going back and, and rereading it. So, you know, you're going to read it multiple times because there are aspects of the story that will play out a little differently once you have the, con you know, the context of the story. So uh, I, I do think it's fantastic. Everybody that I know that's read it has liked it. Um, that's not to say every single person that's read it liked it. I'm sure there's people out there that have read it that don't like it, but everybody I've talked to that's read it has liked it. Uh, but I don't see a whole lot of people talking about it, especially now that it's up to issue eight. But I do recommend it, especially if you like sci-fi. Uh, this is a fantastic story. And uh, I mean, it's not Mirka Andolfo on art, which is kind of strange to me. Uh, but even that being said, it, the art is good. The colors are good. Like this is this is just a really great uh, science fiction story. And it's going to make for a great like one and done reading the whole thing um, all at once. So. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next book we're going to talk about. It is uh, Time Before Time. We're up to issue number five. This is the end of the first arc. Uh, it's written by Declan Shalvey and Rory McConville. Art is by Joe Palmer. Chris O'Halloran does the colors, and Hassan Atzman Elhow does the letters. Uh, what do you think of this issue, Jay? Well, from the last one, we know that uh, Tasu and uh, Agent... Uh, Nadia, I guess they're uh, caught by uh, Helgi, the, I guess the leader of uh, the group of the, uh, not the union, but the syndicate. So they sent him on a mission to complete that his friend didn't complete. So that's how we leave it off. But he uses like the old first version of a time machine. And it's extremely painful, apparently, going back in time in this machine because it stops each year to get to that point. So it's kind of crazy. It's good because you get... Um, a little more of what's going on, I guess, because now he's in the, in this one, he goes to the, the I guess the farthest you can go in the future, I guess is 3455, I guess it's the farthest you can go in the story, I guess, and in, in the, in the timeline. Uh, but uh, I guess it builds up for, I guess, for a war, I guess, with the syndicate and the union. And uh, I guess the next issue, uh, I guess we're going to see the boss, I guess, actually runs the syndicate and probably the union as well. I like it because it's got a lot of going on in the story. And uh, sometimes I got to read it twice just to make sure I, got every little uh aspect of the story i hope i didn't miss anything but I, I enjoyed it a lot i'm looking forward to the next issue on this one but it's not like a cliffhanger like uh deep beyond number eight that was kind of like wow <laughs> i just want to pull that out there i was like i didn't expect that at all yeah i mean time before time right from the start they they told us that this wasn't a regular time travel story in that you can't change anything you can't go forward in time and change anything you can't go backwards in time and change anything like time is is actually immutable. So it, it just, it, it's strange. They move around through time, but they might as well, you can almost think of each, each time period as like a city. They're just going to a different city to, you know, do whatever their drop off a package or pick up a package or, or whatever. But I, I will say that because everything jumps around from different time periods, that it's, it's sort of hard to follow at times. Like I need a timeline that just shows me, okay, as you're reading the story, it goes linearly like this from this year to this year, to this year, to this year. So uh, that's a, this is another one where you may have to read it multiple times to, to really understand what's going on. But at the end of the day, like throw out the whole time travel aspect of this, this it's just a crime noir story. It's about, you know, the, the syndicate and the outfit and, and how they're, um, they're basically against each other. They're basically different crime families that are at war. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty solid book. That's another one that I, I recommend. 
Uh, and I have a feeling based on the fact that there's time travel, even though you can't change things, there are, uh, you know, the, the, the time travel will play in at the end of the day uh, in ways that we, we probably don't expect. So I expect at the end of the series there to be a, a really interesting twist because we've had a little bit, a few twists here and there, um, but nothing like what I'm expecting. I'm, I'm expecting a big bombshell twist at the end of this one. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, all right. Next book I'm going to talk about is from Aftershock. It's called Campisi, The Dragon Incident. We're up to issue two. It's called An Internal Matter. James Patrick is the writer. Marco Lacati does the art and the colors. Rachel Deering on letters. This is basically the story of a guy who works for the mob, and he's sort of a, a fixer. And he has a certain neighborhood that he grew up in that he's assigned to as his uh, territory. But in this world, just like in James Patrick's previous Aftershock title, um, which was Kaiju Score, where Kaiju existed in the world, uh, just as a matter of course, in the world of Campisi, dragons exist. And everybody knows that they exist, although they're extremely rare. Well, a dragon shows up in that that neighborhood that, um, that Campisi is... Uh, in charge of, of taking care of and he he's got to figure it out he's got to follow his orders but he's got to figure out what he needs to do in order to get this dragon out of there because the dragon has a mission he's there to sort of uh to get revenge um there's things that have happened to dragons you know they were they were pursued and exterminated by man uh, a long time ago and he's got reasons for being where he is uh, and wanting to get revenge. And so, you know, Campisi's trying to, to follow the orders of his boss, but he's also trying to protect their neighborhood. And there's just so many things that he, that he doesn't know um, that he's not uh, aware of when it comes to the history of humans and, and dragons and, and whatnot. So I really enjoy the story. It's so much different than what James Patrick did in Kaiju score. Kaiju score was, was fast paced and it was over the top and it was, it was really fun and just bombastic with these giant monsters in this, in Campisi, the dragon incident, it's so much more emotional because Sonny Campisi is, is a character that you can relate to. You see the way he's sort of pulled in different directions by what, what he's obligated to do as his job for this, uh, this mob boss and what he what he wants to do. I mean, deep down, he's got a good heart. He cares about the people in his neighborhood. He doesn't want to be over there, you know, collecting insurance or, you know, doing certain things that his mob boss is telling him to do. And so he's a very sympathetic character. And, uh, you know, the fact that he, he wants to do things a certain way with this dragon showing up and his boss is telling him, no, like you can feel that, that push and pull. So, Again, it's a little bit of a tropey concept, you know, the, the gangster with a heart of gold. But um, James Patrick does a great job of, of making it compelling, mixing in flashbacks to what, what happened with the dragon and the humans back in the day. And ultimately, the story, I mean, I love the fact that the name of the story is the Campisi incident or, or Campisi the dragon incident. Because, you know, you think about, it, OK, the, this is a story about a dragon, you know, invading a town in New Jersey. Well, no, not really. This is actually a story about Sonny Campisi and how his life, I'm assuming, is irrevocably changed by the fact that this dragon does show up in this town. And it's going to maybe force Sonny to make some choices that uh, that he wouldn't have made otherwise. Uh, will it give him a chance to stand up to the mob boss? Will 
give them a chance to break free. You know, how, how is it going to change it? I was just talking about how in scumbag there hasn't been enough character evolution for the, the main character, but you can already see the changes in Sonny. You can already see the realizations and the, the self-awareness that Sonny has shown in only two uh, issues of this. And so I have a feeling that's going to, that's going to continue. Uh, as far as the art goes, it's very fine line work uh, by Marco Licati, I, but it's also very stylized. So it's not my favorite because it's not quite as clean as I would like it to be. But I think the storytelling is, uh, is really strong and it's also uh, very kinetic. The color palette is, is interesting. A lot of pinks and, and sort of a lighter uh, hues that do sort of keep it grounded and keep the art from getting muddy because I think with darker colors and the style of art, that that's a risk that, um, that you would take if you went with darker colors. So I think overall the art is, is good, not great, uh, but it's a really good story. The, the first issue I was like, okay, not bad, not bad. Uh, but this second issue I'm, I'm really pulled in. Like I love how much we're getting to know Sonny and we're getting to know about kind of his insights and his thoughts. I mean, he, he sort of narrates the story and we're really getting to know him pretty well and, and seeing uh, how much he cares about his neighborhood. You know, that was a theme in the first issue. It continues even stronger in the second issue. Uh, the scenes with him actually going to sort of try to parley with the dragon are really humorous. So uh, I love the, the dialogue that James Patrick's give James Patrick gives us. So um really impressed with this uh you know no surprise aftershock continues to put out great titles so uh definitely check it out if you're into like gangster stuff or into mashups of different stories like you know fantasy and uh, crime noir which is basically what what this is as opposed to last time his mashup was a kaiju story with the heist story so really uh kind of a theme for him to to mash up things you don't necessarily expect to see uh mashed up uh all right up next another image title it's Primordial number one from writer Jeff Lemire. The art is by Andrea Sorrentino. Colors are by Dave Stewart. Letters are by Steve Wands. And if those names sound familiar to you, this is the Eisner award-winning team that brought us Gideon Falls. So they're back to tell us the story about uh, kind of an alternate reality where um, the first animals that were shot into space sort of disappeared, right? Like, in, in our true reality, what happened is, you know, we, Russia and, and ourselves both put dogs into space, monkeys into space, and they came back down and we, you know, it was a way to test to make sure it was safe before we sent humans up there. Well, in, in the world of primordial or primordial, those uh, ships go up and they disappear and there's a big cover up because something happens while those ships are out there and the governments don't want people to know. So they just say, oh, they we they were lost like they exploded during uh, uh, you know while they're trying to reach outer space or, or whatever um, and both Russia and the United States I guess you'd say the Soviet Union was what it was and the United States they shut down their their space program um, and now years and years later um, something happens basically and we start to learn that what the official story was is not exactly what might have happened. So uh, so what did you think of this, Jay? Did you, I mean, it's kind of out there. 
Oh yeah, but I was looking forward to it because, like you said, I like uh, you know Canada, Italy work together again. <laughs> but it was uh, it, it's got me. I like the artwork because it's uh, kind of dark and it's got that mystery to it. And the uh, whole idea that the uh, the reason that the Doctor Pembroke is there is it's called Operation Pencap. So that right there, show told you that he's not there. What he thinks he's there for is to close it up. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny that they use they pick him. That's kind of highly overeducated for what he's got to do there. But at the same time, it's uh, like I said, the artwork in the beginning is kind of dark, kind of, you know, it's like a lot of mystery and a lot of things going behind the scenes. And then when you get to the last, I think, two uh, panels or the three, last three panels, it's totally different artwork. It's like super crisp and clean and bright. And it's, it's, I like that. It's kind of showing like the two different worlds. And I really appreciate that. But it's got me hooked. I want to know what's going on, you know, and, uh, you know, you know why they both said, hey, we're done with this. You know, there's got to be more to it. So it's, 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 it seems like it'll be a fun ride. Yeah, well, then the last three pages, um, like, totally flipped the entire thing on its head. And the art, the art style is sort of a different style. Like, I almost thought, is that Andrea Sorrentino? Because so much of his art recently has been so impressionistic, and it, and it is throughout, and, and feels very Gideon Falls. But then when you get to the last three pages, all of a sudden, his, his art's a lot cleaner, a lot more detailed and just that last page like what that's like wait what's going on yeah because so, if you read he did an old man logan too so it's kind of the same style i was like wow it's yeah. kind of different and then when i got to him like oh there's his work i recognize yeah. it now yeah so <laughs> i'm really curious if he's going to continue using the the two styles like we'll get one style when we're in that setting and another you know his more typical style when we're we're here with dr pembroke on earth and yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. Like, I don't know, how, Chef Lemire's brain w- works in a different way than, than mine. Like, I, I couldn't even have conceived of this idea for a story. Like, wait, wait, what? The animals that we launched into space, like, disappeared? Wait, what? And when I first read it, like, the about the series when it was first announced and I heard about the concept, I was like, well, that sounds boring. Like, I don't know I'm going to read that, but, you know. It's Jeff Lemire, so I gave and Andrea Sorrentino, and I love Gideon Falls. I'm like, I'm gonna give it a chance, and then I read the first issue, and I'm like, completely hooked. Like, yeah, completely hooked. And I, I have a feeling that some of these animals are gonna become like favorites, you know? Uh, oh yeah. And, and we know we know, some, <laughs> we know some animal books have have really become pretty popular in uh, in recent months, like Stray Dogs and whatnot. So be sure you pick up Primordial today because uh, maybe one of those sleeper sleeper hits so uh all right up next i have another aftershock book it's called clans of the Bellari. it's from uh writers and brothers rob blackie and peter blackie the art is by daniel main colors are by carlos lopez letters by taylor esposito and this has been a, a really interesting kind of space opera story um about you know again super tropey but you know the earth can no longer sustain life so humans venture out into the stars and then thousands and thousands of years later they've established a society with all these different clans and there's six different clans and they each have their own roles and there's very strict rules on what each clan can and cannot do and they don't want any overlap um, because they feel it keeps the um, it keeps their society in balance because they're all dependent on each other and we meet some some people who sort of are bristling under the rules and a lot of people are, are in that same position, but they maybe 
you know, don't have the means to sort of rebel. And there's a lot of people that sort of break the law and black market and some people look the other way and some don't. And it's just, it's a very precarious um, position. And so um, sort of our main character, Taya, she's, she's bristled against the rules all her life and just like the inherent humanness of her knows that this is not right. This is not the way humans are meant to, to interact in a society. And so she's, she's out there trying to make the world a better place, um, find her place in it, but, and do it within the context of the rules, but knowing that she's hoping at some point to be important enough, I guess, or, or have the ability or the agency to, to sort of break out of those roles. Um, and that's sort of been what the, the story has been. Um, if there's anything I have to nitpick about the story, uh, this, this is a big idea. It's big in scope, but typically stories from Aftershock, you only get five issues. So while the first two stories, first two issues felt like they were paced pretty well and it was moving along at a, at a good clip and we were understanding the story, there's a big time jump between issue two and issue three. Uh, this issue that comes out today, issue three. And, and even within this issue, it's paced really quickly. And they make reference to events and, and a reference to things that have happened that I would like to see. Um, so if there's any complaint I have about the book, I feel like we're getting sort of the cliff notes version. You know, we're getting the abridged version of this story because there's so much there that that could be explored. There's so much there that could make for great storytelling, but it's moving so fast um, that I feel like we're skipping over things that would make for really great comic book reading. And uh, Peter Blackie and Rob Blackie, they, they, they're from uh, television. Um, so I, the other thing I wonder is if, you know, they wanted to put this out as a comic to sort of show proof of concept so they could make it into some sort of television series or movie or, or what have you, which is, you know, that's valid. But at the same time, I feel like if you're going to make a comic, like, like make the comic, tell the story you want to tell. But I know that the racks, comic racks are crowded and maybe they wanted to be sure to tell their whole story in five issues. But unfortunately the idea and the story itself deserves and needs more than just five issues so that we actually get the story that, that we should get that I feel like we, that is there, you know? Um, and it, I mean, it's sort of a backhanded compliment. I, I want more from this because I know there's more there and I'm sure the brothers probably would, would want more too. Like should have said, okay, right from the start, this is going to be like 12 issues or 20 issues, like still put a cap on it. Um, but commit to more than just five because there's so much here. And yes, you can go back and you can fill in the blanks later if it sells well. Um, but I don't know. I just, for the, I didn't feel like this as much with the first two issues. Yeah. It felt like it was moving pretty fast and then, and they were skipping over some stuff, but not as blatantly as in this issue. Um, not only because of the time jump between issue two and three, but just the, the actual events that happened in this issue, it's, it's just a breakneck pace. Um, and uh, yeah, I just feel like it's paced a little bit too fast. And again, I know it's probably because they want to be sure to get the whole story out in five issues. Um, but I just think it's a shame and it kind of speaks to the way the market is now that unfortunately you have to truncate things um, 
So I don't, I don't know. Like if I knew that they were going to try to go like 20 issues, but then it got canceled at like issue 13 and I didn't get the whole story. Would I prefer that or would I prefer them to go like hyper speed like they are and miss out on big chunks of the story? That That's a tough question. You know, I think I would prefer, I would prefer to get the whole story without them skipping over parts. Even if I didn't, even if it meant I didn't get all the way to the end. Uh, like Clone comes to mind, one of my favorite series of all time that ended with issue 21, even though it ended on a cliffhanger and there's, there were, God knows, maybe only, maybe not even halfway through that story. But what there is, is fantastic, you know? So I think tell the story you want to tell, even if it means you don't get to go all the way to the end, because what you have like stands on its own, um, as opposed to, I sort of feel like we're going to get through the end of all five of these issues and it's going to be like, wow, that was really good but it could have been better. Like don't leave anything on the table, I guess is what I'm saying. And I know, you know, it's easy for me to say that um, like Monday morning quarterback or whatever, uh, but this is just so good and it has so much potential. I want it to be the, you know, the best thing that it can be. Um, and if you don't get to tell the end of the story, well, you know, maybe enough people will pick it up and trade that you, you come back to it in a year or two. So uh, anyway, did you get a chance to read it? Cause I know you read the first couple, right, Jay? Yeah, I did read it, and then I thought I missed something, so I had to go back on my uh, uh, account to see where number two was, and I said, what, what the heck did I miss? I'm like, no, I didn't miss anything. Okay. Oh, okay. I guess you're right. It's going a little fast. I'm like, man, okay. I yeah, they really just... yeah, they really stepped on the gas pedal with this latest issue, so. Yeah, I mean, the ending was kind of cool, though, because you know you know, it's what's going to happen next, but it's like, man, it's going to help it just doesn't jump, and then it's already over. You're like, okay, what happened? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's such a big idea. Um so it's, I'm not, in a way, I'm not surprised they've gone so fast. They're trying to finish the whole story and only two more issues. That's, that's a lot. I mean, it's a whole, <laughs> it's a whole, you know, thousands of years of, of human evolution. So, all right. Uh, next book we're going to talk about beyond the breach. Number three, long days ride till tomorrow. It's another aftershock book. It's from writer Ed Brisson. Damien Cusiera is the artist. Patricio Del Pesce is the colorist. Hassan Atman Elhau does the letters uh what'd you think jay it's good what's so funny about the story i was uh reading it uh you know i looked at red issue three it's like we don't know what's going on we don't know how all these people are put on this planet or if it's even earth or anything they're all different aliens but i don't even care because you like the character so much you just want to see what happens next so there were from the last issue we know there were uh held up in the building with other uh humans and uh i guess the uh guy that has a turtle or tortoise is uh, his name is Samuel and he's with Dougie and Vanessa. That's like the three main characters of the story. It's pretty good. There's a lot of uh, action going on in the, in this issue. Um, we find out they're going to go um, and the they're going to go on a trip, but it's like a long, long trip. So I guess we're just going to follow these three as they try to trek across the U S or what they think is the U S to try to find uh, relatives of uh, Dougie. But, you know, she's keeping the secret and is that secret going to come bite her in the butt later on because you know, she hasn't told the truth to uh, Dougie and I won't really say what's going on, but there's something she needs to tell him. And uh, of course, we Samuel comes across uh, some friends of his that he blames himself for. So there's a lot going on. It's a really good story. It's not really fast paced. You don't know how they're all there, but right now it's like, OK, I understand that, but we're just going to focus on these characters like, you know, I can go with that. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, it's, the pacing on this is so interesting because we, when we both talked about reading the first issue, we're both fans of Ed Brisson. We read the first issue and we're like, 
okay. Like we had no idea where the story was going. It, it was, you know, the story of this girl and she's driving along trying to, to get away from it all, you know, out in the boonies in the Pacific Northwest. And all of a sudden there's a big explosion and a flash and she wakes up and there's like all these different alien creatures and monsters and whatever. And that's it. That's like the first issue. And you're, you're, you have no idea what to expect. Like, is this a horror book about her trying to escape from monsters or like what the hell's going on? And then with the second one, we get introduced to Samuel and his tortoise. And, and we start to get some context about how apparently all these different dimensions or realities or worlds or, or whatever, like all collided. And the, it's like a big hodgepodge now of all these different creatures. Cause it's not just earthly creatures that are there that Samuel doesn't recognize. There's other alien creatures that neither he nor the girl, what's the girl's name again? Nick, Nick? Uh, Vanessa, Vanessa, Vanessa. That's it. Vanessa. Yeah. There's, there's creatures that neither Samuel nor Vanessa recognize. So it's, it's like a mashup of all these different worlds. And at the center of the story is Samuel who we didn't even meet till the second issue. And that's the mystery. Like, what is he? Cause he's a very powerful and capable character um, almost like a gunslinger type character. And he's got all kinds of cool, like they're not necessarily gadgets, but, and it's not magic either, but it, it's, it's just survival traits that he knows, yeah, you know, yeah, he knows how to survive yeah. and he yeah, teaches exactly, them. Exactly. And he knows how to use the environment. Now he's been using his alien environment that he's come from. And he just, yeah, he's a very capable character and he comes across as very heroic. Um, even himself, he, you know, he talks in, about himself as, as having done some some pretty shady stuff in the past. So he's at the core of the story. Um, and Vanessa's sort of our, our POV um, POV character. So it's so interesting the pacing. We just talked about the pacing of Clans of Bellari having it go too fast, and here's Ed Brisson, and he's doing exactly what I wish Clans of Bellari did. Like this is again like a story that's huge in scope. And you could argue that there's no way that Ed Brisson's going to have enough room to go back and cover all of Samuel's past and the things he's done and whatever. But I feel like he's taking his time and he's moving much slower and he's giving us everything we need to know. And he's telling the story he wants to tell. And if he does get a chance to go back and the series does go beyond five issues, he, might, he gets a chance to go back and tell other stories of Samuel or continue the, you know, the story that he wants to tell or, or whatever. But it's three issues in the same amount of issues as clans of Blari. And again, they're different stories. You know, clans is, is trying to tell sort of an epic story of, of human society. And this is more focused on just these three characters, basically. Um, but I think the argument is still valid that uh, the slower pace of this pulls you in more. So not to say clans of Blari is bad, but beyond the breach is amazing. It's so good. Uh, really look forward to like when I saw that this book was coming out this week and we were going to read it and talk about it. Like it's got a big smile on my face. Like, yes, this is a book <laughs> that I, I really anticipate. Like I can't wait to read the next issue. So it's just a really good book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just really, really, really solid. So, and the art is fantastic. The color work is great. Sort of a muted palette, which sort of suits a, a more of a fantasy story by Patricio. Patricio Del Pesce, and then the art by Damien Crusera. Like he draws all these weird creatures, like wombat creatures and giant turtles, and and whatever. Uh, and even Samuel himself looks really cool. So yeah, really, really fantastic book. Uh, so while we've been reading 
uh, or while we've been talking about these these different books and and going over them, I've received our Marvel previews. So uh, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop a, a separate episode because we haven't read them yet. I'm going to drop a separate episode with some of the Marvel titles. So you'll get uh, two episodes today with the Marvel stuff. And then if I have to drop it later in the day on Wednesday, that's, uh, that's what I'll do. But um, so keep your eyes out for that. And let me go ahead and give a rundown on some of the other books that you might want to be uh, on the lookout for today. Um, so uh, I think we talked about all the, uh, all the Aftershock books that are out today as we, as we typically do, because they're all like really, really good. Uh, another uh, publisher that I'm more and more starting to read everything they put out is AWA Studios. Uh, Fight Girls number three from Frank Cho is out today. He writes and draws that. It's uh, colored by Sabine Rich. I haven't read any of it, but it looks really fun. And anybody who knows Frank Cho knows how much he likes to draw women. Uh, Moths number four is also out from AWA, and that's in their kind of resistance, their uh, connected superhero universe, which I've read none of, but I'm really looking forward to diving into that by J. Michael Straczynski. Um, So that's out today from AWA over at Boom. Uh, we have Power Rangers number 11. We have Seven Secrets number 12 from uh, Tom Taylor with art by Danielle DiNiculo. Uh Wind number 10, which is James Tynan's fantasy, all ages sort of fantasy novel uh, or fantasy series over there at, ten, uh, at Boom, rather. Uh, DC, again, came out yesterday on the Spotlight, DC Spotlight episode. You can hear us talk about all these titles. Batman 89, number two of six. We have Batman Urban Legends number seven, which kicks off with a Batman Beyond story by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, which is going to lead directly into the Batman Beyond series that starts up next year. Uh, And there's a big, big event that happens. If you're a Batman Beyond fan, you definitely want to pick that up because it's going to fundamentally change Batman Beyond going forward. And if you wait until Batman Beyond comes out next year and you start reading, you're going to be like, wait, when did that happen? When did that huge thing happen? You're going to be trying to go back and track down that Batman Urban Legends number seven. So do yourself a favor and grab it now. Uh, Future State Gotham number five is also out. I Am Batman number one from John Ridley. The latest issue of Joker number seven is out. Uh, Justice League number 67 from Brian Michael Bendis. Justice League Last Ride number five of seven, which was just, that that series continues to absolutely impress. It's so good. Uh, Pennyworth number two of seven, which basically tells the uh, the history of Alfred Pennyworth back when he was a spy for MI5. Uh, Rorschach number 12 of 12, which I talked about on top of my book of the week, talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Superman and the Authority number three of four from Grant Morrison. A new Titan, Teen Titans series. Uh, it's a limited series. It's Teen Titans United number one of seven. And then Wonder Woman number 779, which wraps up that uh, Afterworlds story arc finally. Uh, okay, over at uh, Image, uh, we talked about Deep Beyond. Also, Jupiter's Legacy Requiem, number four of 12 from uh, Mark Miller is out. We talked about Primordial. We talked about Scumbag. We talked about Time Before Time. Also, Walking Dead Deluxe, number 23 from Robert Kirkman. Uh, this is the colorized version of uh, the Kirkman uh, zombie series that everybody knows because of the TV show. Uh, and then from Marvel, and again, Go check out the Marvel episode that I'll release separately to hear about a lot of these. We have Black Widow number 11, Eternals Thanos Rises number one, uh, Extreme Carnage Agony number one, Fantastic Four number 35, which is the 60th anniversary of Fantastic Four. It's a giant sized, 
like $9.99 uh, priced issue. Fantastic Four Life Story, number four of six from Mark Russell. Uh, Iron Man, number 12 from Christopher Cantwell. We have the second issue of Kang the Conqueror, number two of five, which I'm really looking forward to checking out. Uh, also Spider-Woman, number 15. Uh, Star Wars Darth Vader, number 16. And Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters Bosch, number one, one shot. And then uh, finally, X-Men, The Trial of Magneto, number two of five, which uh, a lot of people have been digging on. Uh, also from, uh, let's see, uh, Titan Comics, Blade Runner Origins, number six, which that that origin series has, has been pretty solid. If you're a fan of Blade Runner, you probably should uh, be checking that out. And then I also wanted to mention from uh, Valiant Ninjak, number three is out today as well. So uh, any other books that you want to mention that I didn't call out there, Jay? Uh, you got it from a, a blaze. It's called uh, Porcelain. It's a Maria Lovett. It's actually pretty good. So I'm looking forward to that. So it comes, second one comes out today, part two. Gotcha. So, uh, all right, everybody. Those are some more books you should be on the lookout for. Don't forget to go check out our DC episode with full spoilers. And also, uh, I guess we're doing a separate Marvel episode this week, uh, which will be uh, spoiler free. So be sure and check that out as well. So uh, once again, we want to thank everybody for listening as always. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes, as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.